0: You're listening to the After the Show movie podcast from aschoolie.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, voice assistants, just say listen to After the Show movie podcast. And you can also find us on aschoolie.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sit Talk. Hello, welcome to another thrilling installment of After the Show podcast, Sit Talk. You talking to me? Yes, a thrilling I'm installment.
1: <laughs> I'm already here. You don't have to welcome me.
0: You need to make this installment thrilling.
1: Uh, that's not my job. That's Halloween's job.
0: It is Shocktober. Hortober. Hortober. <laughs> that <laughs> still makes
1: me laugh. Hortober. Haw- not W H O R E T O B E R. Just H O R. Because it's horror. You've decided this month we would actually follow through with what I've said for the last 10 years. Let's do horror during, during October. And now we're doing it, which is awesome. And And you tried to pretend like it was your idea, which is hilarious.
0: This is the thrilling conclusion of horror tober because we're down to we're not horror next week. We've watched four in a row,
1: but next week is—is it still October? No, no, it's November
0: next week. So next week it's November tober.
1: (laughs) Is that right? It'll be birth tober because that's my birth month. So all the movies should celebrate me.
0: They should all be about you. <laughs> Let's
1: pull that off, please. Let's accomplish that.
0: You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about Is you. that
1: a movie? That's not a movie.
0: That's a song for you.
1: I don't want, song. I want a song. Mo- I want a whole entire movie.
0: That song's probably in a movie.
1: And that song is about me, so. <laughs> Some of these youngsters, they won't even know what we're talking about. Alright, so it is Saturday. There was Octob- no one before the show. Uh, before yeah. the after the show, right? Because we you were doing that and I was doing this and we were talking about this movie, which we're gonna continue to do now. So Well
0: we are if you let me.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying you can't skip the before the after the show discussion introduction.
0: But you can't talk when That's I'm rude. doing the introduction. Uh, I can talk
1: whenever. All right. Are you gonna stop talking? The define stop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, it's Saturday, October the 26th. This is hottober number four. After the show, 605. We're a movie review podcast. We're about to review a movie, and that movie is Three From Hell. It's a 2019 movie. It's out on Blu-ray and 4K and digital right now. Rated R. Actually, we watched the unrated cut. And it's from our friends at Lionsgate, who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk. You tell us the synopsis of Three From Hell, and then I'll give you the one off the box.
1: There's no synopsis. It's just three crazy MRFers. I'm going to try not to swear so much. mrf Does anyone know what that means? No. They say that word enough in the movie. I'm a little spent on it right now, so mofos, we'll say. Uh, Three psychotic people just terrorizing other people. So the characters from previous Rom-Zombie flicks. Rom-Zombie. Rob Zombie. <laughs> that? No, that? Rob Zombie. All right, but that's my synopsis, and I'm pretty sure that is not what's on the bu- on the box.
0: No, on the box is first there was House of a Thousand Corpses, then there was The Devil's Rejects. Now, from writer-director Rob Zombie, Ron Zombie <laughs> comes the next blood-soaked chapter in the most violent crime saga in movie history: Three from Hell after barely surviving a furious shootout with the police. Spoilers. Baby Firefly, Otis Driftwood, and Captain Spalding are behind bars. But pure evil cannot be contained, and a firestorm of murder, madness, and mayhem will be released in this terror ride to hell. I'm back. Dang, no, that is not what I said. <laughs> that one's pretty in-depth. But again, it doesn't really spoil any. spoil it.
1: I don't think you can. These aren't the no. kind of movies to spoil.
0: All right, so let me uh, start with a quick history of uh, Rob Zombie watching of movies. I have watched House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. I think Devil's Rejects is Rob Zombie's best movie of all. I will, uh, I'm still in that camp after watching Three from Hell. Um, I have never watched his Halloween movies, but you have. Yeah. And you didn't like them.
1: No. I, I only saw the first one. He
0: had a different take on Halloween, didn't he?
1: Like a more yeah. Which I get it. I get that yeah. he has a different view of uh, everything. I mean, he's an artsy guy, right? Mm-hmm. But that just was. It wasn't good. Was and his I'm wife not... in those too. Yeah, she was. Alright. She was. She's not what made it not good, though.
0: Is it like his? Are those like Hollywood type movies, or are those kind of grindy? I like um. This... They're
1: more Hollywoody. Right. A little less, you know, grunge. Right.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So I really loved, um, I liked House of a Thousand Corpses, didn't love it. I I think it's okay. It's, it's, it's grimy and kind of dirty. I like that about it. But I think Devil's Rejects is excellent. I still think it's excellent to this day. What's
1: excellent about it?
0: Um, it's very well set up. I like the act, the way it's played out. Um, It has a really, really, like, cool conclusion to it, which I think this movie might have spoiled slightly. Mm. Might have actually robbed that. Robbed. Robbed that of its effectiveness, the ending of Devil's Rejects. Because this kind of cheapens the ending to that. True. So, um, I just really liked... It's really grimy, um, Devil's Rejects. It's kind of effed up. It's more effed up than this movie is, actually. Um, And I really like it. It's my favorite movie of his. So three from hell is obviously the sequel to devil's rejects and there will be spoilers from this point onwards. Cause I don't think we could talk about this without spoilers. agree. So at the end of devil's rejects, if you've haven't seen it and most people who are into horror probably have, they all get shot. Like not just shot, they get multiple bullet
1: like, wounds. Like, yeah. where you're like you see the people in movies go, uh, 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 yeah. Uh, uh.
0: They get <laughs> twenty, thirty bullet shots into them, all of them in the back of an open top car as they drive in. The police just mow them down. And that's the ending to it that they go out in this blaze of glory and they're all dead. Turns out in this movie, how are they still alive, Sid doc
1: They just happen to survive. They survived the bullet holes. How? They don't say. They just <laughs> save them. I don't know. There's no explanation.
0: See, this movie starts like a documentary. It's like news footage from saying like, oh, the... the What what do they call themselves? The Firefly family. I don't... I mean, what do the media call them?
1: Three from hell.
0: Uh, they, I don't think they ever say that, do yeah, they? Yeah,
1: the, uh, the headlines on all the newspaper clippings say right. three from hell, three from hell.
0: So they... The, it starts off with all this TV footage and news clippings showing you that they survived this, you know, unsurvivable thing. And then they're all obviously put into prison because they killed loads of people on their rampage during Devil's Rejects.
1: Yeah, they're horrible, wretched human beings. So I mean, don't, c- don't c- ever serial be, murderers. Yeah, don't be delusional about like, oh, they're romanticized no. or anything. It's, they're awful.
0: And obviously... I've watched... I have seen Natural Born Killers about 25 times. I actually know the dialogue. I've seen it that much. And this whole... The whole first hour of this movie borrows from it a lot. There's actual s- shots that are just like it. There's scenes that are just like it. With And it goes from that perspective of can serial killers, mass murderers be like adored and celebrity and they go from that angle right with
1: do you think he's making that statement or do you think he didn't give a shit about any of that
0: i'm not sure but it like it it went it it basically does just what natural born killers does it shows you this angle of you know these people are wretched but people love them like you might be watching this movie i said to you do you like these people no. Like, at the end of the movie, are you like, oh, please, are you rooting for them? I'm
1: not rooting for them, and I didn't root for the Natural Born Killers either, because they were assholes. No. But, but then <laughs> like, I'm not I don't get swayed by the uh, popular culture, even if it's fictional. No. But
0: then there are people who do, and that's where it gets weird, isn't it? Where, like, m- you know, Manson, they trot him out for an interview, and people are like, yeah, yeah, I like what he's saying, yeah, you know. And, like, well, it's
1: like they pick out one single element... Of what that person has said or something they've done that is like a confirmation bias for the person. So if the per- if the criminal says like, F the police, you know, it's a, it's a corrupt system, screw the police. And the person viewing them has that same mind already, then they become a fan of that person and what they're doing. And like, right. I think you do it in fiction also. If those characters are portraying something you're already pissed off about... You know what I mean? Even if it's like domestic terrorists in a movie as the bad guys, and then they're saying stuff, even if it's Thanos, let's just talk about Thanos, right? His idea (laughs) is that humanity and life everywhere in the universe is just corrupt and terrible, and there's too much of it. Yeah, Yeah, it needs to be fixed, and he's going to take care of it. You might get on board with that little grain of an idea, and then all of a sudden you sympathize with him. All together, because you're like, well, I get it. Right. So I think that's what you, it happens in real life, happens with fictional characters. And he, he portrayed it right. I mean, pretty quick and to the point. It was only like a two minute beginning where it's like, you know, they're cult heroes now and people support them. And then we kind of move on. But you yeah. get, you get, you understand what they're saying.
0: And then, then like, this movie, I almost fit it, it felt like this to me. It's like split in half. And it almost is split in half. Like, it's two hours long and right in the middle, it changes. It's like this this movie at the beginning where it's about this, you know, about these three and the celebrity and them actually coming back together. Because you're like, oh, well, they're all life in prison. So how are they? Well, there's a way of, they all get together and out of prison. And then right in the middle of the movie, it turns into this other movie, doesn't it? When they get to Mexico. Yeah. Where it's well, I like, mean, it's
1: mean, same, but yeah, different.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. got a different vibe and everything, I I thought. It's like, oh, they, they stumble into something else. Like, I would say their past comes back to kind of haunt them, is what happens. Mm-hmm. And they, they stumble into the wrong place at the wrong time. And then it becomes like, you know, I was thinking of like a Robert Rodriguez movie, like a El Mariachi or Machete even. It, it's like this exploitation of Mexican... Like kind crime. Really. It movies. wasn't really
1: that far. I didn't feel like it changed the vibe that much. It just changed the scenery. Yeah, but
0: you know, it it felt like it was split in half though. There was this gr- grimy, like, escape well, escape or murder prison movie. And then there was this Action movie almost at the end, right? Because it's a lot of guns and it's a lot of shooting. (laughs) And it's like a big, you know, a standoff in a Mexican village. Kind of. I
1: mean, it didn't didn't play out like the end of True Romance or anything. It's not like that.
0: No, but it's like a... Well, like I say, like you've not seen El El Mariachi, but that's what it felt like to me. The whole vibe of the end part. With the machine guns and the...
1: Mm. But it wasn't like constant also. You know, it wasn't like just a constant... Bullet fest. It was like shoot him up, wait a while, shoot up, wait a while, couple shoots, wait a while. So I didn't feel the same violent.
0: I really like Rob Zombie's like effed up kind of vibe to his things. This movie feels really grimy and dirty, and it looks. I thought it looked really good for its budget. Like it, it's really sharp, and it's got this. He does a thing to make it look like a grindhouse movie, so it looks kind of tatty, and but it's still very clear. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I like how it all looks. He does really cool lighting and like things look interesting. But, and I liked it and there was some really violent parts in it. Like in the middle, it got really effed up. I thought, you know, with the home invasion, let's call it.
1: Yeah. Very. It wasn't, that was the beginning really.
0: Yeah. Well, the fir- towards the end of the first bit. <laughs> as I'm, that was as the I'm saying.
1: beginning of the movie leads you to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and it was kind of effed up all that part. Like, it got more go more... You think kinda- it was
1: more effed up than the ho- the motel scene in House of a Thousand Corpses? Or in um, Devil's Rejects?
0: Well, that's pretty effed up, too. Yeah. But this was pretty... Is like they're
1: upping the ante.
0: When she's chasing the w- naked woman down the street, and That's just
1: disturbing.
0: A lot of stabbing going on. Yeah. There's a lot of stabbing in this movie. <laughs> like, it... I was like, wow, they really went that much... Might- do you think that might be the... Because un- we watched the unrated version, do you think that scene in particular was probably... No, like no, i just the naked lady. I
1: mean, the, the stabbing, what I noticed was, we've seen a lot of horror movies, lots of stabbing. We're not affected like, oh, I think I just saw a person get stabbed. So horror movies don't really affect us the same way as other people. When I'm seeing someone right. get stabbed or shot, I have seen enough making of video and footage and understand how how shit gets done behind the scenes a little bit. I've never made a movie, but I get it. But watching that scene, I was like, that's really good. Stabbing. Effect, yeah, it was because a naked person is different than stabbing a person with layers of clothes. You don't have to show anything. You just put the knife down, and it's probably one of those. What do they call it? Like it,
0: the goes, blade goes into retractable the yeah. blade,
1: and then a blood pocket pops, and then it, you know their 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 clothes get all bloody. This is just a person naked. I was focused on that, like, wow, how did the special effects people yeah. do that? And it was so in I'm, the
0: daylight, it wasn't at night.
1: Yeah, so I'm a little bit removed. I think some, I mean, Rob Zombie's always been gratuitous yeah. gore, violence, and unnecessarily um, proud of the violence. I'm not a huge fan of that aspect of it, but I like the sort of full frontal, pardon the pun, of it. The It's kind of like, fuck everybody. There's my swearing. Um, I'm just going to do it, right? And then I am I get a little worn down by it after a while. And that's probably why I was focusing on the actual special effects versus what I'm really seeing. But I thought that was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I do too. I think it was... And there was a question coming up in my head the entire time in the movie. Um, do you want to know what that question Just one was? question. Yeah, the question was, does this really need to be done, this
1: movie? Like... Yeah, but that's not a fair question. I it's think a, that, that no is no movie needs to be done.
0: I think it is because I really liked the way the Devil's Rejects ends, and as soon as they explained in this one, oh look, they just survived that. It, it, it kind of I was like, oh, but okay, they've survived it, and then there's going to be something cool that comes out of it. But I, I don't think any, I don't think it really amounts to anything. What happens? Like, there's there's a load of violence, yeah. They go to Mexico. There's a load of violence, and then it it ends, right? They're, it ends the same as the Devil's Rejects does.
1: Not really. It's the
0: same ending. They're in they're in an open top car. They're driving. Yeah, they're not they're just not being up. shot.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the same ending though, with the music. So yeah, it it as it as I watched it and I enjoyed seeing the characters again, even though they are heinous. And, you know, spoilers again. I did say to you, when, as, it, as the credits rolled, I said to you, I am very surprised that they didn't kill them this time because...
1: I'm not because he wanted to find a way to use them again and then he did find a way and so... And he wants
0: to use them again, is that what you're saying? Yeah, again?
1: Possibly. And if it's got this big of a cult following, as they made it sound like, why would you ditch him? You know, I mean, in 10 more years, you've got an either even different dynamic, a different Mm. possibility. So leave your doors open, you know?
0: Yeah. Now, there is a big difference in this movie from the Devil's Rejects is the three of them. There's a new addition because Sid Haig, who played Captain Spaulding, was the main, the main three, part of the main three in Devils. But he's very sick, so he wasn't in this movie as much. So they replaced him with that guy from 31 who was kind of crazed not that not the um character but the actor and i think he was really good you know in this i thought it was yeah. a good i was a bit sad at the beginning when i didn't know that sid Haig was not going to be really part of the movie and then i, I just kept thinking he really creeped me out always like in, in in devils rejects he's creepy as f every time you see him it's like ugh. It's, it's kind of disgusting looking.
1: True, but I had the opposite effect. I was very glad he wasn't in the rest. I don't want him to be dead. I'm just saying, I was, I didn't, I thought he was the weakest part of those movies. Oh, he
0: was one of my favorite bits.
1: And so, I was like, I don't want to have to look at that. It's just over the top. I know they're all over the top, but I have a threshold, I guess, where I'm just like, okay. When he's I got, got his
0: clown makeup on, he's just, he's. I think he's a pretty memorable character in that movie. So, if you're you know you don't get a lot of him in this movie maybe a minute maybe two minutes right at the beginning yeah but I mean, it's impactful he gets to do a like a, a monologue which is kind of cool but um they replaced him you know with another guy who i actually think did a good job and yeah. uh, carried it on
1: his voice that guy what does he what else does he do cuz i like his voice
0: yeah you know what the, like i didn't really like 31 but the very beginning of thirty one where he does that where he's putting his makeup on and he does that speech into the mirror.
1: Yeah, he's his he's that, good that monologue part, but then yeah, that movie kind of falls yeah. apart. That yeah.
0: monologue part I mean
1: it's alright.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember you're watching you turn that on that movie and, and then he starts to do that monologue and you're like, Oh wow, this is this guy's something amazing. Like, this is gonna be great. Like this is next level stuff, and then the movie's just real generic and doesn't really it's just like like a crappy version of Hostel or something. Or a game show thing where they... Yeah. You know, where they shove people in a thing
1: and... And again, like you would... I mean, I don't think any movie doesn't have... Shouldn't exist. I might not like it, but that doesn't mean it just should be erased. <laughs> or never made. Or whatever. But it didn't seem to move anything forward. No,
0: and this... I don't think this does really. Unless you... I mean... If you love these characters, love is a, is a strong you, well like we've discussed earlier. Some people will love these characters. Um you get to see them do more stuff, which their stuff happens to be killing people and you get them, you know, they've got some like snippy dialogue with each other. I think. I do like, you know, um baby as like she's kind of mental in this one. She's not the same as she was in the, in the second one, it's like she's almost like a different person.
1: Oh, she was pretty mental in the other one. That's why I always noticed. She wasn't about her. quite
0: like this. This was a bit OTT for me. Like she, but well, there she's again. been in prison
1: for yeah. over ten years and being
0: abused and all yeah. kinds of
1: shit in there. But um, so if she has mental health issues that are not being addressed, right. she's just been left to go crazier than she was to begin with. So Plus, we should we have to go back to House of a Thousand Corpses. That was her family. Yes. <laughs> so there's been no break in the time for her to come out into the real world to have any sort of real normality she's gone from that to murdering to prison to crazy yeah so let's go on to
0: the cast here um was there anything you wanted to say about the plot before you or anything that was stuck out to you or
1: i mean the plot is just basically like you said they recovered from the last thing they're old so we had to give them a time skip and then they are not in prison anymore and a bunch of people die as a result Yeah. The only thing I can think of that is a link to anything is when he says to Machete, revenge sucks or something like that, you know, payback is hell. Yeah. And then I was like, what are we talking about? We've never seen him crisscross with Machete.
0: Maybe that's another movie.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's what I thought. Like (laughs) somehow that's going to be like a prequel or something from something else.
0: Yeah. So moving on to the custom, Sherry Moon Zombie reprises a role as Baby Firefly. Um... She was a bit OTT for me in parts, but then in other parts, I kind of liked her. Yeah. There were parts near the beginning when she was in the courtroom and stuff where she was just playing it a bit. I was like, oh, it's a bit... But there again, she is kind of fucked in the head and she's yeah, she's a maniac. But then she kind of pulled it in a bit towards the end and she wasn't quite so... Absolutely. Or maybe I just got used to her. I was think- I was trying to figure it out while I was watching it. Was it because I'm... Um, because I got used to the style of what she was doing. And then I was like, oh, okay. She's going, because she a is really bit, crazy. But
1: also, he seems like he likes lots of dynamic things going on. And so, in that instance, we're in a room, kind of like a courtroom, but it's not, it's like a parole hearing. She's sitting in a chair. Everyone else is sitting in chairs at tables. We're just having a short little discussion. Not much is going on, except for the questioning. So the camera's going back and forth, back and forth. He seems like we've seen enough of his movies to know. He likes movement and something happening. So her acting, like kind of twisting her head and flippering with her fingers is something happening other than him asking her questions. Exactly. Now, if she'd played it totally downtoned at like, like she was sort of, you know, Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest after the, you know, kind of like, that wouldn't have had the same. You know what I mean? If she just sat there and answered their questions, yeah, actually, it wouldn't be quite the same.
0: Actually, um, I was just thinking, um, Natural Born Killers, when they capture Juliette Lewis and she, they put her in the cell and she just pretends that she's just mellow and nothing wrong with her, and she's just real. And then they let Jag Scagnetti in the cell with her, and she just rips his throat out. Like right. she's real. The thing just is, plain. Though,
1: this character, I don't think she's aware that she's crazy. Yeah, I so think she, she doesn't it's know just how regular, to right? control. <laughs> she doesn't know how she can't, like, turn it off and on.
0: It's her regular she's... state.
1: It's her, yeah. And yeah. that's what I like about the character. And, yeah, she can be a little... I liked her more in this than I have in anything else. I will yeah. say that for sure.
0: And she does get to do some crazy stuff. Yeah. And, she, you know, she. you might have seen the poster or the cover for this movie where she's wearing, like, Native American headdress and kind of
1: dress. Yeah. It's more of an image. It's very striking
0: looking. Yeah. And she's got loads of tattoos from prison. She's been tattooed up. So she's pretty striking to look at the entire time. She never really dulls herself down, does she? She just, like I said to you as well, she looks like she really smells bad. I think so, yeah. I said to you, like in the beginning of the movie, "Oh, she looks like she really smells bad." And then in the middle of the movie, she sniffed her own armpit and went, "Ooh,
1: Ugh, I need a shower. <laughs> yeah, this I baby like, needs a shower."
0: So they got that right because um, she did look like she smelled. Bill Mosley returns as Otis Driftwood. I really like Bill Mosley in this. I think he's pretty, like stoic.
1: You Who know, he reminds me of? Who? An uncle of mine. <laughs> I don't know. You know, with the big beard and the cap.
0: Is he very stoic like that when he talks? Like very, like if it sounds intellectual a little bit.
1: No, not really. More like Charles Manson. Right. A little bit. Not like like that far. But there's a bit of rambling and a bit of roughness. And like, I could live in the woods when the man comes to take us all down. That kind of shit. That's what he reminds me of. Yeah. Yes, we have that in every family has that.
0: I think <laughs> Bill Mosley plays this character really good though. I, I really he he seems effed up, but then he also seems like there are times where you're like, Oh, he's actually pretty reasonable. Like he can discuss something with somebody he's, He is
1: everything, yeah. He's just yeah. a person. He's also had the effed up childhood because he's the their brother and sister. Right. I don't know if you mentioned that. He and him and Baby are brother and sister. She's baby and he's Otis. Um, so he had all that effed up childhood and then their family, you have to watch the movie, but it doesn't turn out well. And he is, yeah, he's like, if you were going into war against a big enemy, you might want him on your side.
0: Yeah. Cause because
1: he... he's insane and brutal and horrible. And also he knows how to think through things. So that's kind of an interesting character.
0: Yeah. Still um, don't have
1: any sympathy for him. I think they should all be annihilated, but hey.
0: Yeah, of course, but as far as, like, he's got a personality, you know. But then again, he reminds the audience even sometimes. He go, no, I'm the guy who likes taking people's faces off or, like, skinning people. He even says it at one point. So he is, um sometimes you might think, oh, he's, like, the one who's together out of these lot. But none of them are. And then they replaced, you know, the Captain Spaulding guy with this new guy. He's Richard Brake from thirty one. And he's Winslow. And what is he? Like half brother?
1: Yeah. What else has he done?
0: He was thirty one, the main guy. Yeah, what else? I don't actually know. What mm-hmm. else? But um, his
1: voice is really like mm, mesmerizing.
0: He's like the half brother yeah. that you don't know that you don't know about <laughs> that's conveniently now with them.
1: Exactly. Well they had to, you know. Yeah. They can't help that Sid Haig passed away.
0: No, that's true. And yeah, Sid Haig did actually die just at the end of this movie, To what, you know, as they were editing it. I'm surprised they didn't put it in the credits Um, for him, like dedicated uh, honor to
1: it. Well, I don't know. If zombies, Rob Zombies, that.
0: Hey, what do you know about Rob Zombies? It's
1: true. I don't know. He seems very straightforward. Like, you know, he would have dealt with all that in real life, not true. on the movie screen. But I don't know. You're right. I don't know. He's a stranger to me.
0: <laughs> exactly. I have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> no
1: clue whatsoever.
0: So, um, yeah, um, this Richard Brake guy, he is, it's not exactly like the character he plays in 31, but it's just, he's kind of like rednecky. like, what would you say? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. one of the characters from, like, Texas Chazor Massacre or something. He's like one he's of those. pretty
1: talkative.
0: Scary a little bit, though. But he does
1: that thing where he holds the shotgun, like, chick, chick. In one hand, you know, and he's got like the stinky, he look like he smelled bad.
0: They be. all look like he smelled bad, to be honest, right? Yeah. This movie just feels dirty and smelly. Like, I wouldn't want Smellovision vision with this movie, because it'd be pretty nasty.
1: Also, I want the story about this half-brother got involved, because that means, uh, where's he been?
0: Yeah, we didn't get... <laughs>
1: what life did he have? That was one of the <laughs> things
0: where we like, what, what? Where I was like, well, I understand we need another one, but, because it's three from hell, but what? <laughs> like, it wasn't really covered, was it, very well?
1: Hmm. Did you see, he has been. In, he was in Game of Thrones. I don't remember him he in Game of Thrones. He was the Night King.
0: Oh, he was the Night King?
1: Well, it says he was only in two episodes.
0: Well, you know who the Night King is.
1: But maybe he was only that in these two episodes.
0: The, the Night King never said anything, though.
1: True, it says 2014 to 2015. That's all.
0: Right. The Night King, so he must have just been the CGI guy who wore <laughs> the suit for the Night King. You know?
1: Let me look. Oh
0: yeah. I am just
1: curious to s- Oh yeah, there's pictures of him as the night king. So
0: that's like body actor like um Yeah. where you do the motion capture and stuff. Um yeah, I didn't know it was him. But nope. now you come t- the is kind of physique.
1: Uh, oh yeah, he's very
0: lanky. Yeah, lanky and thin like Um who else have we got?
1: And I liked him. I liked him the actor guy. A lot.
0: I actually thought he brought quite a lot to it. I, at the first I was like, oh really? We got another guy? Like oh, how's that gonna play? But it, I,
1: it works because you don't know how crazy he is, and he just seems like the guy who's you think he's gonna be the guy who just goes along with him, but in fact he's also just he's effed just as up. bad, yeah. 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 But he plays it a lot different. He's not like Snoopy actually- Doopy. He enjoys what he's doing. Yeah. Whereas the other two, I think it's just built into to them to be causing destruction and havoc. And he's kind of made the choice along the way.
0: And he's kind of jokey, but not like over the top. I mean, he's kind of, he's got some funny lines in this, which you would think, how's this movie funny <laughs> in any way? But there's some of the stuff they say back and forth is like, oh, that's, you know, funny. So um, who else we got? We got Jeff Daniel Phillips as the Warden Harper. What do you think of the Warden guy? He had a really bad mustache.
1: The character is really fucking annoying. However, I think the guy did a good job <laughs> <laughs> of being that guy. The
0: character was like, like
1: it was almost like cartoony.
0: Yeah, like had I, like I crazy, said to you,
1: late seventies, early eighties hair.
0: Brian blue. Fantana from Anchorman. <laughs> yeah. Paul wrote in Anchorman, kind of with a
1: but not so innocent. No, he was a jerk.
0: Yeah, he was a sleazebag. bag. But uh, I, I kind of liked him in it. And then finally, I put down D Wallace. Yeah. As Greta.
1: She keeps popping up, man. She was in that horrible death house. Now she's in here. She's, she
0: went for it in this people one. people don't
1: know, she was from The Howling and Cujo.
0: Yeah. And I in this one, it. as an old lady, she's like your mom's age, right?
1: I don't know. Would you want, to, you want to keep telling my mom she's old?
0: Well, she's like 75. Do you want
1: to keep telling her that? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that.
0: But um, <laughs> she really, she just went for it in this. She was kind of, yeah. She's a prison, a prison warden.
1: No, she's a guard.
0: Yeah, well, we, we call them warden. Yeah, Yo, warden is
1: the guy in charge of the whole place. So right. we don't call them wardens. They she is a guard,
0: and she is uh, looking after baby. Well, yeah, no, looking after. She's a is, corrupt guard. Yeah, we'll say that. But yeah, she did a good job. Rob Zombie is the director. She did all
1: right. I think she, you know she has what? parameters.
0: Yeah. Um, you know Rob Zombie's movies, Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, Halloween Thirty One, Lords of Salem. We've never seen that one. No. Um, what do you, what do you think of Rob Zombie as a director? He's actually, you all know that. He's a maybe you all don't know, but he's a mus- He's a musician before he's a director.
1: I think the movies, and this one in particular, does look really cool. There it are does. some shots that look really cool and I don't mean just because they kind of gruff them up to make them look like the time period or like film or whatever I'm not really that into that necessarily but the way he framed shots composition the lighting a lot of times it's like I'm looking at the overall thing kind of mesmerized by it beyond what's happening so I think that part I really enjoy and he he seems like he's when you see the extras He's, particu- he's very particular and very picky about the details. And yet when someone seems to come to him with an idea, he's like, "Yep, yeah, sure, sure. That's fine. He's like dismissive, but he's controlling at the same time. Yeah. So I feel mean, like when you're watching the movie, it's all his vision. And he brings out good and people like the sets look really good. The costumes are quite interesting. And everybody kind of gets on board with him to make this grungy, awful sort of nasty reality look you know yeah i mean this type of
0: movie like the grindhousey like exploitation kind of back to the 70s kind of flick there's a bunch of them you know in the indie horror type people make these types of movies but like this and like machete and grindhouse they're like the only ones that are like you know hollywood let make as Hollywood don't tend to make this kind of movie, so I always think Rob Zombie is cool because he makes what he wants to make.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: But in the Hollywood system, somehow he gets it done. Like,
1: well, you know, the reason he gets it done is because he makes a lot of money. Because
0: of because he sells it because people know the name Rob Zombie and the.
1: No, because people make a lot of money.
0: Well, he said, didn't he? This <laughs> yeah. o- this only exists because Thirty One did so well.
1: That's what I'm saying, There's not about him, otherwise they would drop him. Kevin Smith doesn't get picked up, and loads of people know who he is, right? Right. He does his own thing, and actually promotes his own way, and does all that stuff. But I think it's just because it's profitable, there's a pocket of people that's big enough that do the cult thing. Yeah. The fanboys, the fangirls, the obsessive people, the ones who do the cosplay, and all that kind of stuff, and um, they pay the money.
0: And you know, his last film, 31, was actually a Kickstarter he um, he said, "I'm thinking of making this movie. I've got to raise money. He raised the money like in the first day on Kickstarter, mm. and made that whole movie. If you watch the credits of Thirty One, it's full of Kickstarter people's names. So like that was a experiment, I guess, because this one's back in the big, you know, Lionsgate made this movie. So um, yeah, I I always um, admire like that he gets. It's obviously making movies that he wants to see, right? It's it's like his own thing. Like,
1: I mean, he is, or is he? I don't know. Like you said, we don't know him. Maybe he's just a money making I've, machine. Well, I've heard like... a lot
0: of interviews with him because he's on Howard Stern quite often, right? And he talks about he he was um he's got like a monster museum in his house with loads of like you know memorabilia from different movies, but he's into like the old black and white like Frankenstein. Um, he really loves the Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is actually
1: in featured in this in movie, this movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: he likes like Spenguli, like those horror hosts, and then he also loves like 1970s exploitation stuff and the zombie movies. And so he is like a horror person. He's not like a phony. He loves horror, and the movies he makes are, I, th- I think, the mo- kind of movies he wants to see that don't get made really in the Hollywood system. They just get made. If you go and watch a load of indie horror, you can't yeah. see this sort of stuff. So,
1: so do you think um, because of his name and then he got some success and then some people like, I want to attach myself to that, it just sort of...
0: Yeah. I mean, he made his own thing. It's I do equate him to Kevin Smith because Kevin Smith has his own people and he makes his own movies, right? They're his own thing. Mm-hmm. And Rob Zombie's the same. His wife's generally in them and he's never in them, is he? Rob Zombie's never in his own movies. I don't think so. But he has his own people and he makes he seems to make what he wants to make. He's like an effed up version of Kevin Smith, because Kevin Smith doesn't make this kind of movie, does he?
1: So uh no, another- but it's like the movie that you said they want to see. And that they've found people like them who want to see it. So that's who they make it. Yeah. For.
0: Another thing I love about Rob Zombie is He's really into documenting the making of his movies. And if you've ever seen one of his Blu-rays or DVDs for his older movies, there's always a making of that is often longer than the movie. And it's no... This movie has to hell and back the making of, from, of Free From Hell. And it's in four parts and it lasts two hours. It's, it's actually longer than the movie again. Mm-hmm. And it, it's made by him... It's not made by, like, you know, it's not like a standard extra that you get on a Blu-ray. It's like another movie. It's a documentary of how they made the movie. And it's really good. We sat and watched it, right? Yeah. It was that you said that you almost liked the documentary better than
1: the movie. (laughs) I mean, I enjoy the movies, and it's hard to say that because it's really horrific. It's not horror to me. It's not scary. There's no, like, fear in me or anything. It's all about, like... I'm a grown up and you're trying to titillate me with like really raunchy shit. I'm just enjoying like the the concept and the special effects and all that kind of stuff. But. Oh God, I forgot what I was saying. (laughs) About the
0: documentary. (laughs) Liking the documentary. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But when I'm seeing the person make it, that connects with me sitting there thinking about how they made it while I'm watching it. And that doesn't bother me. Sometimes it does because if I'm that, distracted, right? Thinking about the behind the scenes of a movie, it might mean because I'm not liking it and I'm just like, oh God, I'm so bored. But this isn't the case. It's a very weird combination. I'm just, it's almost like I'm watching an art piece. Some might argue that. And I'm just really curious what's in his head. How did they get that accomplished? how did they get the people to do that? Because a lot of that would be awkward, uncomfortable for the performers, everything. So I like watching the making of I think it's, um, I would watch it with more, um, like I'm more entertained by watching him work than I am by his work. If you,
0: um, are a fan though, and you didn't realize there is, there's literally a two hour documentary on this disc. And I didn't know until I read the back, I was like, "Oh, hold on. So it's good value if you want to watch the making of because not only is there that there's also a audio commentary with rob zombie throughout the whole movie so you're gonna get your money's worth here i think he is into that like making sure the fans get something for the money yeah so um imdb reviews these probably be fun right people this is a love (laughs) it or hate it right is
1: definitely, definitely I don't
0: think you're going to be wishy-washy on and this. and you
1: are the one star reviews and you're going to read them and usually we disagree but sometimes I understand where they're coming from I will yep. understand on some level where they're coming from on this one because it's, it's not for everyone so um
0: one out of ten reviews IMDB number one I don't want to spoil anything but the Fireflies were better off dead <laughs> I had such high hopes for this I bought tickets the moment they were on sale I caught myself checking my watch to see when it would end. I'm a huge zombie fan, but this is a miss.
1: Zombie zombies or zombie Rob? Rob, I think. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, what else we got? Terrible in every possible way. Oh, my. I really love zombies' music. Can't say the same about these glorified exercises he wants to present as movies. The package movie is there, but it's hideous from the very start. I can't stand no more... Can't stand no more to useless comic like dialogue or his 50-year-old wife trying to be a 30-ish hot girl. Oh God. Watching those That's just actors? Rude. Yeah, watching the actors actually doing a decent acting job and following exotic weird gory events without any background or vague sense of reality. This is all one sentence by the way, the whole thing.
1: <laughs> is it all caps?
0: No. <laughs> Go read some books of medicine or psychology. The entire story looks written by some 10 year old boy with a gibberish approach to anything real. I'm still on the same sentence.
1: <laughs> you can't, we have to start over and don't breathe the should whole I, time.
0: Should I talk about the hardcore fans that will never accept he just sucks at being a director?
1: Eh, I don't think he sucks at being a director at all. He directs his movies and that's it. It's, it's, like, don't watch it if you don't like it
0: um what else we got
1: it's not an insult of any kind to watch his movie and if you don't like it there's a button that you can press it's called stop or back whatever device you're on
0: this guy says this is easily the worst film ever made
1: ever made so we need to make a list of all the worst movies ever made and all of them they're in competition with each other
0: (laughs) rob zombie should just stop making films because he's not very good at it And it's an awful epitaph to Sid Haig. Avoid it at all costs.
1: Hmm. First of all, you don't know, because you don't know those people. So you don't know what Sid and him, what kind of relationship they had. So you never know. He, who knows, he could have loved it. So it's not fair.
0: This one says, this is the worst two movies I've ever seen. Enough said. (laughs) And we're just talking about this one movie. That
1: is enough said. You're right. (laughs) We're all over it.
0: And finally, with the reviews, says... This guy says, looks like the director and screenwriter want the movie to be famous for its insults. How can killers be heroes? How horror in movie? (laughs) Was that a whole sentence? (laughs) How horror in movie? How horror in movie? (laughs) I don't know what he means. (laughs) But anyway... um,
1: I mean they're entitled to their opinions of course. And I'm not saying I'm being a snobby film person cuz this isn't that kind of film, but I no. mean I it's... guess I would assume people know what they're getting into, but you know what? They might not. They might just see like this cover and it just looks you know, interesting. Definitely. interesting. It definitely does. And um then they're like, "What is this?"
0: Yeah. So um that was Rob Zombies 3 from Hell. Um it's, I'd recommend it to certain people who like,
1: kinda, yeah, kind of. It's a very specific film. Yeah, I would not spring up. it on anyone. No, I wouldn't say to someone, "Yeah, watch this," and then tell me what you think, because that would be rude.
0: It's got an audience, and it's the audience Rob makes it for. And, yeah, and we're probably part of that audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not those hardcore people. We
0: do like some. Uh, we do like to watch effed up stuff, and it doesn't really bother us. Like, that is
1: true. That's, that's a fair we, statement. We've <laughs> what said it, does that say about We've us? said
0: it numerous times. We've sat all the way through and watched Irreversible. Correct. And, you know, talked about it and experienced it and never forgot it.
1: <laughs> because we both understand it's a movie. Exactly. And it is someone's expression of some ideas. Some movies are just to exploit, tessellation, and to make money, and that's whatever. So some art, you know, some art paintings that are done... They're just to be appealing to the eye so someone will buy it and hang it on their wall. It's like it's all the same kind of deal. So I don't really try to snob out too much about movies. There might be a few lately. <laughs> I've been like, oh, my God. Death House was so bad. It really was. But there's going to be a group of people who it's like their favorite movie ever.
0: Was Sid Hagen that one?
1: Uh, yes, he was, actually. Right.
0: Yeah, he so- was like,
1: he wasn't well. You could tell he wasn't well.
0: Right. Um, so rest in peace, Mr. Sid Haig.
1: Yeah, I appreciate what he does. I don't particularly like his characters, um, but I, I, mean, I get it. I mean,
0: his characters are, like, really fucking disgusting, kind of, and yep. it's hard to even look
1: at. More than disgusting sometimes. But
0: he, I think he did that really well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Good job, Sid. Yeah, good job. You are disgusting.
0: Um, next, uh, thanks to Lionsgate for letting us review this movie. Next week, we're looking at the movie The Peanut Butter Falcon
1: all right you know that one i do not
0: you don't well you're gonna be
1: <laughs> am i supposed one. to
0: no but it's not on the horror tip anyway we're off the horror tip and back on to other things okay
1: same for christmas then <laughs> christmas movies
0: i do have bad santa too you know
1: what i haven't watched hocus pocus oh my god i better watch it
0: that's a halloween that's i know you've also not watched the nightmare before christmas Which is a Halloween movie and a Christmas movie. That's a
1: Christmas time movie.
0: It's kind of both.
1: You're right, but I do it at Christmas time.
0: Also, Frankenweenie.
1: Frankenweenie didn't didn't trip my trigger the way it did yours, so.
0: All right, so movie recommendations. I'm going off the back of Rob Zombie's Three from Hell, and I will recommend you Machete. We didn't mention earlier that Danny Trejo is in this movie. You did mention it. I didn't mention him in the cast. Oh, yeah. But if you blink, you'll miss him. He's not really in it. He's in it as much as Sid Haig is in it. Yeah. Um, but I'm going with Machete and Machete Kills, which is the second one, which I like the second one a lot because the second one is crazy. <laughs> it goes crazy at the end. You've got to admit, the end of Machete 2 is crazy.
1: I don't remember it, but I assume you're correct.
0: Yeah. It involves space and a spaceship
1: oh correct yeah it is fucking crazy you're right
0: it just like they're like yeah whatever we're just gonna go crazy with this movie and they do i really liked it for that and my other one's grindhouse which rob zombie had a part in. he made like a commercial in the middle of it um grindhouse you know planet terror um which is robert rodriguez's bit it kind of has the same vibe as these these movies devil's rejects it's just like messy kind of gross and messy yeah and objectionable sometimes objectionable like you're like oh yes
1: <laughs> like the woman in the devil's rejects yeah yes that's enough i'm like done me
0: and you were like <laughs> uh, but like some people would literally walk out because like what's
1: something's wrong with us yeah something's very very
0: wrong so that's my recommendations yours are
1: mine are the Bad Batch or Bad Batch? I forget what it's actually called. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, it was good that one with it the de- in the desert with Keanu Reeves. Yes,
1: I really like that one yeah. and um, Revenge. The other one that you liked a lot with the young woman and the
0: Revenge. The reason I, I know about Revenge is a uh, Tarantino has like his list of movies that he loves every year, and mm. Revenge was on it. And I was like, "What's Revenge? I've never even heard of that one." So I found it and we watched it. And it was really cool.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it's awful. Don't it get me is. Wrong. It's got awful themes and people doing horrible things to other people. However, it, it's done in a way that's like kind of...
0: It's a female director doing a... Female revenge movie. Revenge movie, yeah.
1: It's exploitive. It it's is. It's got the... Da, 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 but it's... Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a little shocking. And I had no idea what it was or what, where it was going. And so I was like, whoa, that's all right. I liked it i think it's french right don't know it wasn't subtitled or anything was it
0: yeah yeah the guys the guys didn't always speak they were french guys oh i don't f- remember the, that the guys. interesting um it wasn't always subtitled but they, it was sometimes um what else we got A hey, scully uh, stuff i have been playing some new games this week call of duty modern warfare came out yesterday
1: I've played... Yeah, we know.
0: Well, I've not really all, played quite, All the
1: wives No, I've not played much <laughs> of it at all, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Maybe three hours this morning. Yesterday, uh, what happened was it came out on Thursday night, and then because Call of Duty is so popular, the servers can never kind of hold up on that first night. There's too many people trying to connect, so... Um,
1: and you were kind of heartbroken.
0: Yeah, I couldn't connect... Yeah, I couldn't even play the campaign because you have to connect to lo- load it. Which is... I don't know whose decision that was. That is dopey. Because the campaign's a single player thing. So, why would you have to connect to the server to play it? do not make any sense. But, when they got it fixed the next day, I did play, t- like, three missions of the campaign, which I'm really loving so far. The campaign is very, like, controversial, like... Very. Call of Duty, I've been controversial in the past. There was a. The most controversial thing Call of Duty ever did was a mission called No Russian. I think it was like maybe seven, eight years ago, where you, you know, you're playing in Call of Duty campaign, and then in the middle of the game, it switches to the opposite side, and you're all of a sudden, you walk into this level and you walk into this airport. And you, you realize all of a sudden, oh, I'm not the good guy anymore. I'm actually the bad guy. You look down and then the guy in front of you is with you, says no Russian. And you all start all of a sudden not speaking Russian. And then they walk into the airport and just murder the entire airport. Like, like people, you know, not military, regular people. And you're like, oh. And that was where Call of Duty got this, like, Oh, they're really controversial and the news picked it up and you never really see that in a movie even, do you? You know? No. So it was really, ooh. And this one, not quite as bad as that, but it does open with like a horrible terrorist incident. And then obviously you play the soldiers who have to track down this terrorist thing and bring the world to rights. So they start off really controversial and then it makes you want to, you know, delve into the story and go and sort it out basically military style so yeah it's a good campaign it's one of my favorite ones so far and then i played some of the multiplayer today and the multiplayer is like call of duty it's a lot more realistic there's no like for a few years there they went to like jetpacks and it got a bit crazy actually call of duty they had jetpacks for a couple of years they had like crazy stuff like pink guns that have unicorns emblazoned on them and the you know all just crazy stupid kind of stuff this one's, like, really realistic. Like, there is none of that. They don't... You can't have a pink gun, for instance. Because the, would the military have a pink gun? No. Right?
1: It's the, true. So I don't know <laughs> if making it more real is better. That sounds worse, but hey.
0: Well, they've gone more military rather than, like, silly. So this is, like, serious. And there was a mission I was doing yesterday where, like, there's a woman with a baby. And we're infiltrating this house of terrorists. And there's a woman with a baby right in front of you. You've got your night vision goggles on, and she's looking right at you holding the baby, and you've already, like, killed a bunch of terrorists in this house, and she's there's a moment where you have to make a decision whether to end her with the baby. Because she might be bad, right? Or, you know, you don't know it. Is she a hostage? Is she actually a terrorist? I think that's what this game is going for. Like
1: but anybody could be a terrorist. We don't know who a
0: terrorist is. Yeah. Like it could be the most Nice-looking person who you think's fine, but then it turns out they're about to shoot you. So, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's pretty pretty cool. I like Call of Duty. I think it's making a comeback this year because it's over the past couple of years, people have gone off it and gone on to other things. The other thing I've been playing is Outer Worlds. I've played very little of it, but what Outer Worlds is, is it's a new game by Obsidian. They're the people who made Fallout New Vegas. And it's a RPG and it's set in space. At the beginning, it's kind of like Fallout, if you've ever played the Fallout games. I have not. But the whole (laughs) universe is kind of under control by this corporation. And you're a person who was on a uh, ship being transported to this world and you're in cryosleep. And you were being transported to this world because in this universe, people are property and they're owned by the corporation. And this, you get thawed out in the middle of the cryosleep and end up crash landing on this planet. And as far as I've got to, I I found this city and there's people stood outside the city and there's a giant graveyard. And I talked to the guy and I'm like, I'm lost. I'm trying to find fuel for my ship. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, this is our graveyard. Um, We're all owned by the corporation. People are owned by the corporation. And these graves are our graves for when we die. And we have to pay for them all our lives. Like, we we start paying for them. Yeah, so, like, these, these graves are, you know, there's my grave. I'm only 20 years old, but when I die, there's where I'm going. But I'm paying for it. And, you know, it's like everything has been, like, monetized, including all the people. So I'm in this universe, and I don't really have a concept of it because when I was put in cryosleep, none of this occurred. So I'm going to try and rescue everybody, I think, from Interesting. corporate slavery. Um, so, yeah, that's Outer Worlds. Cool thing is that's a AAA game, like a $60 game, but it's actually on the Game Pass, uh, Xbox Game Pass. Again, if you've never used Game Pass, you can get it for a dollar for a month and just try this game if you want to. And third, which is not a game, but HBO aired the first episode of Watchmen on Sunday. And am I a Watchmen fan?
1: You are a gigantic Watchmen Always
0: fan. Always have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, not so much. I mean, it's
1: fine. It doesn't, you know, it's fine.
0: You um, said to me, well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. We watched the first episode of Watchmen, and by, it was really good by Damon Lindelof, who did one of my favorite shows, The Leftovers, which I I adore. The Leftovers, <laughs> and when I when I heard that he was going to be making Watchmen, I was like, oh, okay, an HBO. Anyway, we watched it. What was it like? It was really good. Trent Reznor did the music. Yeah, Super. The world. I, I I was really into the world that they were building on it. It was. It's, it's like, a
1: little bit off. It's like. You know, we're all accustomed to, you, dis- you can go into a science fiction movie or a period piece or a totally fiction movie or a fantasy movie, even like um, Avatar, right? It doesn't take you very long to get your footing on what kind of universe it is, what the rules of the physics are, who the characters are. If it's animation, you kind of quickly understand the dynamics when you're watching, like, The Fifth Element. Within the first five minutes, you get it. Like, this is a city, this is a planet covered in a city that's miles and miles deep and everybody's flying around and shit and it's far in the future and it's crazy future and then you you're like okay I got it I got it <laughs> I can accept whatever weirdness comes at me this show doesn't dish it all out to you at once it's like a little thing here and there that's just enough off it's like when you're looking at a at a character in a video game that's supposed to be a person that's supposed to look like really realistic, but. They've got the dead eye, or they've got the weird way their mouth moves, and it's just enough off where it's off-putting. This show does it right, where you're kind of chugging along. You're like, okay, I get it. Oh, oh, well, that's weird. But then they just move along like little details that
0: yeah, like like this stuff's just happening, and you they don't fully explain. But right, you I mean, kinda... you
1: know, you remember the past. Yes. I don't remember all that. So to me, without you telling me, it was all a little bit like. A different timelines, alternate universe, something different happened in our reality in the 80s that changed the way things are now in this show. And I don't remember all that. So to me, I was like, oh, that's interesting enough to like yeah. really get into it. So I thought it was really I good.
0: feel like it operates because this guy made the leftovers, Lindelof. It operates like that does because that had like, a mystery about everything. Like, you, like from the first episode of The Leftovers, oh, this is happening. The, it, we think it's the rapture of some... A bunch of people go disappear. Yeah. But then the rest of the thing wasn't always about that, was it? It was, like, the world and how people live in the world. Like, yeah,
1: I'd rather it be about that all the time. The Leftovers got a little tiresome for me, a little bit.
0: But this here is, like, the world-building. Like, like stuff's slowly, happening. slowly.
1: It sneaks up on you.
0: Yeah, I mean... If you've seen the if you read the original Watchmen comics, and you're like, well, and I say this is a sequel to those comics that's set in 2019, and those were set in the 80s. Um, this includes Doctor. We see Doctor. Manhattan on Mars, right? I mean, that's something that you might not fully understand. True. There was a little TV clip of Doctor. Manhattan stood on Mars, and you're like, I was like, oh, okay, we're going full on Watchmen. This is not like. side story this is the watchmen like we're going to experience the watchmen so it's on again tomorrow night i'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it we um you know what was really funny is we watched the watchmen and i was like it ended and i was like my brain was spinning like i was like (laughs) oh and then we watched the walking dead and i was like oh my god like the walking dead's like story is such low quality compared like (laughs) Like, it feels like there's nothing really happening in it. I like,
1: know. And when no. it's
0: over, you're just like, okay, there's some...
1: See, you're catching up with me, because I've felt this way for about three seasons now.
0: But Watchmen's so dynamic, and you know, there was about a hundred things to think about. I was, like, sat thinking about it, going, It's oh, unfortunate,
1: whoop. but The Walking Dead is slowly removing my affection for post-apocalyptic zombie world. But the, um... Is it a post-apocalyptic zombie apocalypse? yeah. I was thinking today about a story where people turn into like the walking dead, but they don't eat you. It's just like billions of people walking around still alive, but they're, they've died, but they're gross and disgusting. And, and we a just menace. have to
0: live with them. Like.
1: Yeah, they're like a menace, but they don't do anything. They just are just, rotting and they're walking like, around.
0: So they're like trash. They're just, I don't
1: know why we haven't solved the problem in the world, because all you have to do is basically just walk up to them. And kill them all. But they won't die unless you do something really extreme.
0: Oh, there's no killing them. They just always...
1: Well, I mean, if you burn something up, it becomes ash. But there's billions. Like, there's 8 billion people on the planet now almost. So let's say that instead of the leftovers, which did like a wimpy little 2% of all of people disappeared. I mean, come on. They should have done at least 50, right? 50% of all people. Do not miss the leftovers. I'm just saying. So in my (laughs) zombie apocalypse, like... Almost everyone has died from this horrible virus, but they're still walking around. So you've only got about a billion people left. So it's just overwhelming to get rid of all the dead people.
0: The uh, other thing that stuck out to me about Watchmen is it has the level of production that Westworld has. And I love Westworld.
1: Yes, it's very high quality.
0: And the the people who are in it are awesome. Like Like everybody who... We only just met everybody because it's the first episode, but everybody that came in, I was like, "Oh, she's really good. He's really good. True. The, the guy with the silver mask. That whole scene where he's interrogating somebody with his. Yep. See, people have got superpowers as well. It's it's a it's a DC show. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not the same. <laughs> Don't as think super, too it, hard. It's not like Supergirl by the DC. It's like you know, it's an ad, very adult. It's not, not a It's not Supergirl, but even though I'm not dissing Supergirl because we love it.
1: Yes, (laughs) we. Listen to you. You're talking like we have the same Well, I'm
0: I'm speaking for you because I believe you love it as well as me. I
1: do enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Yes, I will say that.
0: Um, All right. So what is for dinner?
1: Tonight we're going to have veggie beans and weenies. People don't know what beans and weenies is. So you need to get a life. It's not sausage. It's vegetarian or plant based is the new hot way of saying it. But they're just hot dogs that are made out of plant and plant dogs. Plant. <laughs>
0: that's what I'm call that's kind that. of contradiction, isn't it? Plant, plant
1: dogs. dogs and hortober. <laughs> Our new <laughs> words are going to add to the dictionary next year. Um, they're just plant based big hot dogs. Chop them up. Fry them up a little bit. Oh, but you didn't like them last time. I forgot.
0: I didn't know. They were kind of weird and squeaky.
1: Well, that's what we're having anyway. So if you don't like it this time, it's unfortunate. But then I just use a can of Bush's beans, which are the vegetarian beans. And if you didn't grow up with baked beans and weenies, it's really sad for you. But my mom used to make kick-ass beans and weenies. Which is like her own recipe of baked beans and then loads of hot dogs that are all fried up, like kind of browned in a pan, and then dumped in there. Oh my God. So good.
0: Well, nobody made them special for me as a kid. Nobody's like making homemade recipes, but I'll tell you, Heinz, they do a can of beans and sausage. They call it, mm-hmm. we call it beans and sausage, but they're like little hot dog sausage in a can of beans. And you just empty the, empty that and warm it up. I ate so many of those on toast, <laughs> you know, and it's always been delicious.
1: Well, Sue, unfortunately, if you don't like it this time, I don't know what to tell you.
0: All right, so what's your advice, and let's bugger off.
1: My advice is to know thyself. Who Guess are you what? Jesus? I didn't make that. I don't think Jesus said that. I'm pretty sure. I don't know who said that or what it's in, um, where it came from originally. But talking to my mother, this is why I think it's really important to be self-aware. My mother has always claimed... <laughs> That she has no clothes to wear. Oh, I've just got nothing to wear. So then she'll go and buy clothes at Goodwill and garage sales. And she'll get a shirt for a quarter and a pair of pants for a dollar. You know what I'm saying. And I remember, I was telling her today, I remember as a kid going to her closet and her clothes were so jammed in there. That, you know, you couldn't. They wouldn't come out kind of, oh, well, well, my clothes only, I only spend like five dollars and those were a lot of times I would go to garage selling and did you see how many clothes your dad had? And I don't have that many clothes. And I'm like, uh, you're not very self-aware because you can ask any of your children. There's four of us. Does mom always say she doesn't have anything to wear? And then you look at her clothes and she's got a shitload of clothes. They'll all say yes. Well, did you, my mom used to have so many clothes. I'm like, we're not talking about grandma. We're talking about you. Your perception that you do not have a lot of clothes is what fascinates me. That you're not aware that there's something that she's been taught, right? To, to not be proud of or that it's not a good thing to have tons of clothes. For some reason, even though she's a cheap skate and she does not buy expensive clothes, something about her tells her to always say, oh, I just don't have anything to wear. I just don't have enough clothes. And then she goes, well, I go, th- I recycle, not recycle. What does she say? I clear them out. Every year I give a lot back to the charity shop. I said, a person who gives a lot of clothes to the charity shop. Has
0: a lot of clothes. Exactly.
1: And I'm looking at her, like, finish my sentence. And she's like, what? I said, a person who gives a lot of clothes to a charity shop has a lot of clothes to give away. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) I was like, whatever. So that's my thing is like, she goes, well. I said again about being self-aware and like per- how you perceive yourself. She goes, well, how do you perceive yourself? I said, well, I think that I'm bitchy and bossy. I'm pretty talented in some areas. I'm relatively intelligent. I'm not terribly attractive. Um, I can be difficult. I, In fact, I told Paul when I first met him 20 some 21 years ago on the internet, the old internet, the, one of the first conversations ever was, I am very difficult. Yes, I'm so I am very aware of myself. I don't I'm not a I'm not afraid of being wrong or having something about me that's flawed. And I think that a lot of people are. So they either try to hide it or ditch it right? Well, there's nothing wrong with having a closet full of clothes. It doesn't matter how much they cost. If every shirt costs a thousand dollars, it doesn't matter. But be aware that you are the person who buys a lot of clothes, right? Just own it. And if you don't like it, then don't have a lot of clothes or whatever the thing is. If you don't like to be people telling you that you're a micromanager, then assess yourself really closely. Accept that that probably is true and maybe try to adjust your behavior or something, whatever it is. So know thyself, people. It's a good thing.
0: Good work. So let's uh, leave this haughtober, (laughs) shocktober, Halloweentober by saying, It's so fun. Catch our podcast anywhere that podcasts are available, not sold. Um, You can also catch us Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we have con- I have contests so on Ascully.com. Don't think I've got one at the moment, so I don't know why I'm saying it, but <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I have contests. Somebody this week actually won a copy of Toy Story 4 on Blu-ray, so nice. do check ascully.com. Um I've got one coming up soon, actually. And uh, also, email feedback to me at ascully, Ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And also, um, I want to say, rest in peace, stay classy, Mister Sid Haig. Nice. Who, I do think there is a, part, a portion of this movie, in the middle, where they feel like they're giving him a send-off.
1: Yeah, but it's before. But he said he understood very quickly. Yeah. What his the, what was going on, and so I think he probably wrote that in there on purpose. Yeah,
0: there are definitely a few lines where you feel like it's like oh. the
1: tree lady. The Log Lady, I mean. Log Lady, yeah. He understood as well that she was not well, and so the thing she was saying was almost like her character and her as a human being.
0: It's so sad, that part of it Twin Peaks. It is really sad.
1: It Twin Peaks, sad. The
0: Return, it has a, like a, the Log Lady. Spoiler who,
1: alert, the Log Lady passed away in real she life. She
0: passed away in real life, but there's a a moment in there where she's kind of almost addressing the fact that she's about to die.
1: I think she is, because, I mean, the Log Lady was like her yeah thing, right?
0: yeah. It's pretty, it's like where real life meets art.
1: And before I sign off, I will say, if you want to hear my mother talking, if you want to know about her, Sid Talk's mother, um, there is a podcast that's called Show Me the State. It's on KBIA.org. That's K-B-I-A-F-M. It's like a public radio station from mid-Missouri. And somewhere around December, January, there will be a podcast with my mother answering questions about her historical society up in one of the counties in Missouri. And also it's just, it's, it looks like a really good show. I need, I've need i got it all lined up to uh, listen to the episodes if you're interested in history, famous things from Missouri. And I'm sure you could find this kind of thing in every state, but it's called Show Me the State. And you can guess why, because we are the Show Me State. So there you go. And think for yourself or someone will do it for you.